it has all gone too far. All of it. Joe DeGeneva today asked for Chris Krebs, a patriot who ran CISA, to be shot. A 20-something tech in Gwinnett County today has death threats and a noose put out saying he should be hung for treason because he was transferring a report on batches from an EMS to a county computer so he could read it. It has to stop. Mr. President, you have not condemned these actions or this language. Senators, you have not condemned this language or these actions. This has to stop. We need you to step up, and if you're gonna take a position of leadership, show some. During the 2020 U.S. elections, Gabriel Sterling's name was propelled to fame. As the elections manager for the U.S. state of Georgia, he provided an example of civic duty when he pushed back against former President Donald Trump in order to protect the integrity of Georgia's electoral system. Last month, he visited Geneva for the 2020 edition of Democracy Week on the occasion of his visit to the Graduate Institute for a workshop with our faculty, students, and Swiss electoral experts. Our executive director, Christine Lutranger, engaged him in a productive discussion, comparing U.S. and Swiss democratic systems. Keep listening to research at the Albert Hirschman Center on Democracy and learn more about the American and Swiss electoral experience in a comparative perspective. So, Mr. Sterling, uh, it's a pleasure to host you in Geneva for the Geneva Democracy Week. You have been our guest for the last two days with many uh, discussions, exchanges, events, and we've uh, also had the pleasure to exchange ideas about the practices in uh, managing elections in Switzerland, in Geneva Canton, in, in Basel, Zurich, Jura, and in, in uh, other contexts, including the federal chancellor who was presented today in this informal workshop. So I wanted to have your thoughts about uh, the Swiss system, the way of practicing democracy here. One of the amazing things that's different in Switzerland versus the United States is the ability that you structurally have built a system that is designed to gain consensus. Uh, the American system is very much combative to reach an outcome, whereas yours is, forces people to sit down and come to some kind of conclusion together, especially with a multi-member executive, which is something that's very unheard of in the United States and really for most of the world. So it's, a, it's an interesting system that I think your culture has allowed to build up that may not be as pr practical in other places, but I think it works very well for the Swiss and it seems to be an effective thing to have happened for many, many years. And what is your, is your feeling about the way we uh, use technologies and the different practices we discussed over, for example, the registers, mm -hmm. the different um, uh, counting system, the different voting system, electronic, postal system. So, so what is your sense about the debates that we have here in Switzerland? Well, I think one of the interesting things is, from my point of view, one of the big things we have to focus on in the United States is security. And by having a very diffused, decentralized system over all of voting provides 
fewer attack vectors to go after. Even though it's more, there's less effect if somebody is a bad actor, a Russia or a Iran is trying to do something, it's much less likely they can have an influence or an impact. Now we have to deal with some of the same things that you all do, disinformation, misinformation, wrong information, but it seems like your systems have structural things in place to help defend from the worst outcomes of those kind of items. So I believe, especially since you did e-voting, which terrifies me as an American, um, I think if people can accept it and the security around it is acceptable, making voting easier for people is a very important thing overall and it's a good ethic for every democracy to have. And what about the relationship to the citizenry? Did you get a sense about any similar or different modes that institutions and people working within those institutions, such as the, the Chancellery here, are vis-à-vis -vis your work in Georgia State? In general, it seems like the citizenry is relatively happy with most of, the, of the, well, how the Chancellery works. Now, granted, there's always going to be some people who are going to be grumbling, who feel like they lost one thing, but I think one of the other structural advantages you have is there's so much voting. It's difficult to have resentments built up over time because there seems to be chance after chance after chance to have your values reflected one way or the other. So I think your structure matches your culture, which allows for a lot of anger not to get built up and be diffused over time. And I think that's a healthy thing for Swiss democracy. This brings us to the question of engagement and participation in democracy, which is one of the key uh, themes that we are exploring in this in this week and also in our activities at, at the center here. So what is your feeling about the current levels and modes of engagement uh, in your context in Georgia State, especially following what happened uh, in the last U.S. presidential e election. There's an irony to a degree that people are worried about, you know, democracy in America. We had ridiculously high participation compared to what we normally have in elections because we had a very polarizing figure at the top of the ticket, which encouraged his supporters to really come out in the strongest, highest numbers ever, but also encouraged his opponents to come out in the highest, strongest numbers ever. And you see this pendulum swing many times in the United States and in, in any democracy, generally speaking, when a side wins or a, a sort of a left or a right wins, for a period of time, they're happy, they do what they want to do, and then they sort of let their guard down to a degree. They think, oh, I've done what I need to do. The other side is like, well, we have to undo what they have done and do our thing. So then they kind of get more energized and come back. There's a natural ebb and flow to this, but I think with the speed of media now and social media and the way people interact with one another, those ebbs and flows seem to come faster and faster and faster and seem to carry more emotional weight for all the people who are involved on one side or the other. And what's interesting is my fear has always been that people will abandon the system. But it seems like more as people are becoming even more engaged in the system, they're just more frustrated at the outcome sometimes, one way or the other. And what is your own way of reflecting about and, and your own way of working following what happened uh, in late 2020? Is there any change in how you, 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 you work, how to think of your own work? How to think of it, no, because essentially what we did in our office was we follow the law, we follow the process, and we trusted the voters. And there's, we, there's no change based on that. Are there structural things we're going to have to look at to build up trust amongst a large swath of American voters who fundamentally think that the system is rigged now? That's going to take some work. And that's going to take some education, that's going to take some healing, that's going to take some empathy. Again, like I said before, you can't look at somebody and say, you're too stupid to understand what happened because at that point you've completely lost them because that's not true. They are, these are smart people who have a different belief who are being told by people who they trust that what you think happened 
didn't really happen. This is what really happened. They want to believe it in their heart of hearts. If you're going to win over people, you have to go after their hearts before. There's a saying in America, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So you have to show them that you actually care about what they feel and what they're saying. You can't just discount that because one of the things that caused Donald Trump to be able to win in 2016 was that there was millions of Americans who felt no one cared anymore. And then Donald Trump came and says, I do care about what you think and I do not think you're stupid and I do value you. And what we have to be careful in any democracy is making sure that everyone feels valued and their voice is heard because one of the worst things you can do to anybody is, is make them believe they aren't being listened to. Thank you very much, Mr. Selling, for having been with us in Geneva for the Democracy Week, and we look forward to continuing this exchange. Well, thank you for working so hard to track me down, Christine. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> thank you very much, Gabriel. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Research at the Albert Hirschman Center on Democracy. Make sure to subscribe on any podcatcher of your choice for more episodes like these.